and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kevin Riggs with Randall Communications, and we are talking today about California's presidential primary, which is approaching at a high rate of speed, March the 3rd, Super Tuesday. California is one of 14 states that will be casting ballots on that day, and the largest state certainly of that group. The, historically, California has really been more of a fundraiser than a decision maker when it comes to the presidential selection process. A lot of expectations that that may be different this year. We're going to talk about that. Also going to talk about some changes in the balloting process this year, how people can, for example, request crossover ballots, and also try and debunk some of the misinformation that's out there about that process. And to do all of that, we are joined by the Honorable Alex Padilla, the California Secretary of State. Good to see you. Likewise, likewise. It's, uh, it's the season. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one uh, quick uh, correction. It's yeah. not Super Tuesday. It's Super Duper Tuesday. That's true. It <laughs> is. Whatever California votes, it's Super Tuesday. But with other large states voting that day as well, Texas, New York, among others, uh, there's a, a lot happening on March 3rd. And when you look at the homepage of your website, three words, are you ready? So the question is, Readiness. We saw, uh, obviously, there were difficulties in Iowa. Very different situation. It's a caucus. It's run by parties, not by election professionals. But, but tell me how California is going to be different, and what are you doing to make sure there are no uh, pitfalls or snafus? Right, well, there's the are you ready uh, for the voter, right? Got to make sure you're ready and know what to, uh, what to do and have your plan in place for when, where, and how you vote. Plenty of options there. I'm sure we'll discuss. Uh, but there's also the are you ready uh, from the state and county side, right? Ultimately, elections are administered by the counties and overseen by our office. Uh, I've been getting asked the question nonstop since Iowa. How do we make sure that that's not going to happen here? How do we prevent it from happening here? And you get on the first major distinction between what happened in Iowa and what we expect on March 3rd, being Iowa is a caucus state. Uh, California has a primary election. Caucuses and elections are two very different things. Caucuses, as you mentioned, are run by a political party. Uh, elections in California are run by elections administrators at the county level. What we know about Iowa is uh, apparently there was a, a bug in an app that was developed for the reporting of caucus results. Important for folks to know, in California we don't use apps to cast ballots, to count ballots, or to report results. Uh, so another significant difference. If anything, the voting systems that we use in California, aside from being tested and certified that they meet our security standards, are prohibited from even being connected to the internet. So a lot of layers of protection in place to avoid the uh, uh, what ha the chaos that we saw coming out of Iowa uh, from repeating itself here in California. And, but there can be problems with primaries. I remember four years ago in Arizona, they ran short of ballots, and there was all kinds of trouble, remember, at the, at the, at the polling places. So what's, what's being done here in California in terms of being prepared for whatever the turnout's going to be? Right, so four years ago, we saw huge increases in turnout, not just in Arizona, but some of the earlier primary states that actually helped inform us going into our June primary back then. Uh, but as you mentioned, the, the primary in California is now in March, not in June. We're going to be among the first states to vote in this presidential nominating calendar, uh, having learned from years past. And frankly, if voter registration is any indicator, you know, we're uh, uh, well more than 20 million voters uh, on the rolls here in California. Uh, between surging registration and the excitement that's out there, frankly, we're expecting record turnout. So we have put the counties on notice uh, to make sure that there's sufficient voting locations 
uh, in place. Sufficient number of ballots uh, that have been printed. Volunteers recruited and trained. All those things anticipating not just a surge on election day, uh, but we're also emphasizing to all voters, especially voters who live in a Voters' Choice Act county, that uh, it's probably a good idea to consider voting early. Uh, right, 15 counties representing more than half the voters in the state uh, fall under the Voters' Choice Act, which means they can start voting in person uh, on February 22nd. At these, uh, at these vote centers that are set up. At these vote centers. Right, early voting has been in place for a couple of weeks now at the county elections office, but vote centers beginning to open 10 days prior to election. They give voters additional options of when uh, and where to vote on election day, prior, over the weekend, weekend weekday evening, uh, anywhere in the county convenient to you if you didn't vote by mail to begin with. And of course, it would certainly be easier in terms of, of processing the results if people do vote sooner. Uh, and technically, people have been voting since early February when the mail-in ballots started hitting the mailboxes. Uh, there's always this talk about, well, are people going to wait to see what happens in South Carolina or Nevada or even New Hampshire and Iowa, the early states, before they fill out their ballots here? And are you expecting that? Do you think people are going to be waiting um, relatively late to fill out those mail-in ballots? Well, if history is any indicator, it's going to be a mix. You know, there's certainly the, the voting population that gets their ballot automatically in the mail as a permanent vote-by-mail voter and sends it back right away. Uh, but as we do see, as we get closer to Election Day, more and more people uh, mailing it back in, whether it's the second week, the third week, uh, or closer to Election Day itself, or even walking it in on Election Day and dropping it off uh, in person. That is their prerogative. Uh, one thing that we do remind voters of is uh, we're going we're to have a good sense of what happens on Election Night, but we're not going to get final numbers for a few weeks until after the election, and for good reason. Uh, vote by mail ballot specifically. We're a postmark plus three uh, state in California, which means as long as vote by mail ballots are postmarked on or before election day, they can arrive through the uh, end of that week of the election and still be processed and added to the tally. It used to be once upon a time that even if you mailed your ballot in early and it didn't get until, to the county until the day after the election, it wouldn't be counted. Your vote would not count. We want that vote counted in California out of respect to the voting rights of the individual uh, as long as that postmark is on or before election day. And you're also going to have provisional ballots that will be uh, decided or counted late, and you'll have same-day registration ballots that will also contribute to that late process. But, but overall, uh, you don't expect that's going to impact the presidential contest. It's going to impact close, locally contested races, correct? Uh, well, we, we don't know, uh, to be honest. You know, on election night, like I said, we're, I think we're going to have a pretty good idea for most contests. You know, certainly if there's a local contest with this close election, uh, you know, get, get, your, uh, uh, get your Snickers bar, bar ready. You're not going to be going anywhere for a while, uh, waiting for additional ballots to be processed and those results updated before they're final. In the presidential contest, uh, at the risk of frustrating some political consultants, uh, we're not a uh, winner-take-all state in California. Uh, a handful of delegates uh, awarded based on statewide results. Uh, but the lion's share of delegates in California are awarded congressional district by congressional district. So if there are some close contests among presidential candidates and a handful of House seats uh, throughout uh, the state, uh, it's going to take a little while before the final results and therefore the final awarding of delegates is determined. And we're going to talk in a minute about California's 
potential influence in the process, which which relates to that, the, how the delegates are awarded. But let me ask you first of all about um, the request for crossover ballots. Mm -hmm. If you're a no party preference voter, um, you cannot vote if you wanted to vote in a Democratic primary unless you specifically request a ballot. Uh, there's been a lot of misinformation out there on the internet about voter suppression. Is the system rigged to prevent people who are no party no preference? Pardon me. Yes, that's right. But but you know, is it rigged to to prevent uh, that kind of voter participation? And so address that if you would. And and what do people need to do if they're no party preference and do want to vote in these partisan races? Sure. First, the, the quick, easy answer. Second, the the background, and then third, the explanation. Um, the quick, easy answer is for any of these types of questions, uh, we set up uh, both a one pager and a quick video explaining how to vote for president. It's one of the many tools available when you go to vote.ca.gov. Uh, so we walk you through the steps of voting for president regardless of your political party affiliation or your political party preference. Uh, and the background on this is really the voters of California several years ago established what we refer to as the top two vote getter system. For most races, whether it's U.S. Senate, for congressional seats for statewide offices in California, for legislative uh, districts, et cetera. Uh, any voter can vote for any candidate in the primary. It became, it became an open primary. Right, and the top two vote getters, regardless of party, advanced to November. Uh, so that's still the case for most races, but is, does not apply to presidential primary contests. That's the exception. In presidential primaries, the national parties really set some of the rules here. Good news is for most voters, it really doesn't make a big difference. If you're a registered Democrat, you're going to see the Democratic candidates for president on your primary ballot. If you're a registered Republican, same thing, the Republican candidates for president on your ballot. Uh, so on down the line for all the political parties. Uh, if you're a no party preference voter, this is where you got to pay attention. Uh, because when you register to vote, you have told the state you do not want to be affiliated with a political party. Good news is some political parties allow for what's known as crossover voting, a Democratic Party being the largest of them. So if you're a no party preference voter, you want to vote for a Democratic candidate in the primary, you simply request a Democratic ballot, uh, either from the county if you vote by mail or in person when you show up at your polling place or the vote center. And that's not the case with the Republican Party. The Republican Party is the other example. It's what we call a closed party, uh, a closed primary. Uh, party. So if you're a no party preference voter, want to vote for a Republican candidate for president, you have to re-register first. Uh, but we make it easy to do so in California. In advance of the election, you can do it online, but at this stage, best if you go in person uh, and you can uh, uh, re-register. Uh, we've even simplified the process for updating your party, uh, your political party preference and be able to support that candidate that you want. So for those who do want to request the crossover um, ballots by mail, are you comfortable with the postcard system? Is that the best system, do you believe, to do that? County has multiple options for how to request a ballot of your choice, uh, whether it's by, you know, some, in some counties you can email the county, you can call the county, you can uh, request it a number of ways. And if you haven't done it by mail uh, in advance, of course, you can show up on election day or at any early voting location and do it in person. Okay, let's talk about kind of the central question that I wanted to pose to you, and, that, and that's this uh, speculation that California may actually 
have more influence this time around than they have in the past. California has always sort of underperformed or punched below its weight class, to use a <laughs> boxing term. Uh, when it comes to the presidential contest, I think uh, Reagan beat Ford here in 76, which led to the contested convention in Kansas City. And McGovern beat Humphrey here in 72, and that was influential as well. So it's been a long time since California really has made a difference. And as you know, California has tinkered with the calendar for a number of years, moving the primary up to March and even to February in 2008. Right. Didn't seem to make a difference. Uh, I get the feeling it's going to make a difference this time. Maybe not a decider, but a big influencer. What would you say? Uh, no, I, I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, and it's the very reason why we suggested moving the California primary to uh, the first Tuesday in March. Uh, you know, in the past, by the time Californians had a chance to go to the polls, the nominees for all parties, for that matter, were pretty much decided for us. Uh, now we're among the first states to vote, not among the last. Uh, and we're seeing the result of that with, Cal with candidates coming to California to, to campaign. They've always been good at coming here to raise money, right. uh, and that hasn't changed. Uh, but imagine that the number of visits from so many candidates, and not just to the major metropolitan areas for that matter. Yes, they go to Los Angeles, yes, they go to the Bay Area, uh, but with the increasing candidate visits to the Central Valley, to the Inland Empire, uh, to uh, rural corners of the state because of how the, dem the delegates uh, uh, are awarded, I think that's been good. By being early, by being relevant, it's forcing Cal uh, candidates to pay attention to California voters, to California issues, uh, and I think that's going to bode well for our state in the long run, regardless of who ends up in the White House. But but California is is not going to put somebody, it seems, across the finish line when all the votes are counted because of the complex rules for apportioning the delegates. And you mentioned a certain number are awarded based on the statewide vote, but the vast majority are awarded proportionally in congressional districts, and there's a 15% threshold there as well. So the rules are fairly complex. It makes it difficult for any one candidate to walk away with a huge amount, am I correct? Uh, well, you just never know, right? It depends on not just a particular candidate and how well, how well they appeal uh, to the vast majority of Californians uh, versus how competitive uh, the race is. You know, we're looking at a pretty crowded Democratic primary, for example, but not a very crowded Republican primary uh, uh, on the Republican side of the, the ballot. Uh, so I think it'll depend. I think part of uh, what may uh, uh, prevent a big sort of windfall for a candidate coming out of March 3rd is the formula for awarding candidates in California and the mm -hmm. fact that there's so many other states, including large states, yeah, also on the March 3rd ballot. So will it be a big momentum swing or shift or boost for a particular candidate? We just don't know. But the good news is they're all here, they're competing for support, and that's good for California. So what kind of attention will California get nationally from the media on election night on March 3rd? Uh, well, you'll be here in the office with us, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be close at hand. I'll be uh, in the KCRA okay. studio. <laughs> okay, I, I think uh, a lot of eyes are going to be on California. We're, we're the, not just the most populous state in the nation, the most diverse state in the nation, home to the largest economy of any state in the nation, but we have the largest electorate of any state in the nation. We're on the Pacific Coast, not the uh, uh, on the East Coast. So as a result from other states come in, all eyes will continue to gravitate towards California to see if it truly is going to be split amongst many candidates or if there's a candidate that gets a lion's share of the delegates of California and set the stage for uh, the next round of primaries a week or two after. 
So this is pretty exciting for someone in your line of work. Uh, it is completely exciting. It's what we live for, giving California uh, not just relevance, but frankly, a, the, the political voice that we deserve to have uh, in the nominating contest. Uh, and we're not just talking the primary either. I know in November, people rule out California as not a swing state, but as we saw in 2018, it could be that the, the balance or who's in the majority in the House of Representatives falls to a handful of House districts uh, in California yet again. So California votes absolutely matter. A couple other changes real briefly to go over. Uh, Same-day registration, people can, can register up to and including Election Day, and they don't have to, you mentioned it before, you don't have to use postage anymore. Right. Uh, so for people who vote by mail, again, nothing really changes, uh, but for two things that make the experience even better. Uh, number one, thank you to the legislature and the governor. You don't need to search for stamps anymore. The return postage is prepaid. Uh, so you can drop that ballot in the mail and not worry about the postage. Uh, the other is a new tool that we have for voters uh, labeled, Where's My Ballot? Uh, again, information available at vote.ca.gov, uh, but an opportunity for a voter to track their ballot through the mail process, both coming and going, uh, to have that assurance that yes, your ballot got there uh, to the county and was processed. Uh, just a good peace of mind for a voter to have if you vote by mail. Uh, same day registration you mentioned, you know, has, we've had a traditional voter registration deadline of two weeks prior to the election. Uh, a couple of years ago that changed. We had same-day registration, but only available for people who were willing to go to the county elections office. Not the most convenient for a lot of folks. This is, for the first time, uh, same-day registration is available at every polling place and every vote center in the state of California. So even if you missed a deadline to register or to update your registration, you can walk in in person, fill out that registration form, be handed a ballot, still be able to cast the ballot, the ballot will not be counted until the registration is processed. That's more the back-end administrative side of things, but we do that. We go to that length to make sure that eligible voters have the opportunity to cast their ballot and have their voice heard in the election. Finally, you mentioned interest is high. It's always hazardous to, to put out a, a uh, turnout prediction, but are you putting one out? <laughs> uh, my, my prediction is record turnout. <laughs> uh, not a hard and fast number, but yeah. uh, you know, with record registration, uh, and the excitement that I feel everywhere that I go in California. Uh, I'm expecting a big turnout on Election Day. And so remember, vote early if you can. All right. Secretary of State Alex Padilla, thanks for your time. Thank you. And thanks for tuning into the podcast, and we'll talk to you next time.